Well, this morning, fifth Sunday, well, yeah, welcome back. We are going to do God stories as we normally do. If this is your first time here and you haven't experienced that, um, feedback. It's a thing that happens when mics get together. No, we the fifth Sunday normally, uh, Kevin, and our pastor, is away on a, on a conference with the family. and But normally on fifth Sundays, what we do is Kevin gets to take a break. And we, as the people of the church, get to share with one another. And it's a, it's a great time to be able to hear what's going on in people's lives. In particular, when I was talking to Kevin this, uh, about what he would have a particular focus on this morning, We'd like to pose a question or a thought. Is that working? Okay. Pose a thought of how has your life particularly been impacted through this last year through the life of our church? Now, as we say in our men's meeting, you're not confined to that topic. If you would like to share something else, that's okay. But, but particularly, how has this year really been impactful for you in the life of our body? How has is, how is CCV life help you grow in Christ, right? So be thinking about that. That would be the primary issue. Is there anybody who would like to get started, or we can just have that quiet, awkward, quiet moment where everyone just sits and looks at each other? If someone's okay. All right. Thanks, Mike. You want to just speak here? Okay. Well, God um, was prompting me a couple days ago to speak today. And um, I was kind of hoping that we're going to do something different today, so I wouldn't have to, but here I am. Let's get it out of the way. So, <laughs> um, so the last few weeks, God has been, um, um, I feel like he's given me a word for this next year, and the word is hope. And um, so the last few weeks, he's been speaking to me on this. And... Um, so hope means confident expectations. And I was thinking, like, what's the opposite of hope? Anxiety, fear, um, depression. Um, like, I don't want that, you know? And um, so anyways, I've been looking in the Bible, looking up verses, writing all these verses down that have hope in it. And um, a lot of that has to do with trust trusting in Jesus, and um, it was interesting, one morning, I, I'll just read this, um, I woke up, um, I'll tell you, having a small business, is it puts you in a whole different category of hoping and trusting in Christ, <laughs> um, so, <laughs> um, so one morning, I woke up, and I just had anxiety, just thinking about the new year, and, and also with that, um, there was a verse that God gave to me, and my God will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ, Philippians 4.19. And then um, that morning I went downstairs and I read um, some devotions with my girls, and we read a story about a lady named Louisa M.R. Steed, or Stead. Um, She wrote, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus." And um, she had gone to... Um, got on a picnic with her daughter and her husband, and he went to save someone who was drowning, and he drowned himself. Um, so after that, she wrote, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus.'" It goes like this, "'Just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know 
thus saith the Lord. I said, oh, just to believe in his promise. You know, when God gives me a promise, like, just to rest in that, just to hope in that, instead of, you know what, I see things with my human eyes, and, like, it doesn't make sense, you know, like, I know God says he'll supply all our needs, but I can't see that, you know? Humanly speaking, I can't see that. But God says in his word that he will. So I'm going to I'm going to trust, I'm going to rest, I'm going to hope in that. And, um, oh, okay, I didn't ask these people if I could share this, but I think that it's okay if I, can I share something, Williams? <laughs> So they've had their house up for sale, um, and I hope I get all the facts right. Their contract was up, was it the 23rd? The 30th, okay. And um, so, you know, all this time, 30th of December, so all this time they've been, you know, hoping, anticipating that their house will sell. And um, the 22nd, was it? They received an offer. And I've seen them through this entire time, and just the hope and anticipation that they've had, and they haven't given up. They haven't, um, you know, they could have said, you know what, December, no houses sell. We're going to take it off the market. And they didn't. And I, well, I know it wasn't just for me, but I just felt like God was speaking to me through that, like, don't give up hope. You know, hope, that's what you need. You need to just keep having that confident expectation. Um, and then, um, we have a um, Bible study that we're going through, and I have to write this down because I, I don't quite have it down yet, but one of the things that we've been talking about is, um, oh, where is it? Speaking to those things that aren't true as if they are, right? <laughs> um, and so I'm working on that, and I think by the end of the year I'm going to have that down. Speak to those things that aren't true as if they are, just like Abraham, just like he did. When things don't seem like they can humanly be possible, um, believe and trust and hope that they will, and rest on his promise instead of looking at what makes sense in my own mind. So, anyways, thank you. So Marla opened the door, made me come up here. <laughs> so the whole house thing. Six months ago, we were kind of felt like we were given the green light to put our house on the market to hopefully move to the country to have a little bit of space, elbow room. And everything went peacefully, smoothly. Houses were selling like crazy in our neighborhood. And we're like, yes, we'll be moved by Christmas. And the house didn't sell. The house didn't sell. The house didn't sell. And I'm going, okay, Father, what can I do? Am I praying enough? Am I praising enough? Am I giving enough of my time? All those things that we do, guilty Christians. And um, James started saying, our house will sell by Christmas, Mom. And I'm like, I believe you. I'm going to believe with you because I can't say that. I'm going to believe with you. And then, then I, you know, the common sense mom about December 15th said, now, James, you know, when the house sells, it still takes a little time. You know, I'm trying to help his faith be strong. <laughs> and he, he keeps saying, Mom, it's going to sell by Christmas. December 20, the week of December 20th sometime. I'm like, okay, Father, James is trusting you. 
The 22nd, we had two showings at the same time. James was like, I knew it. I mean, I'm going, okay, please, 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 you know. And James is just confidently trusting the Lord. And the 22nd, in that evening, we had an offer. And the offer, we had to counter offer. And so everything is that has been accepted. And so now we're, and the time frame is good. And so we're trusting and hoping in the next next thing. James has already made declarations for the next venture. So it's like, hey. I'm going to have him stand for me all the time. <laughs> so, yeah, we're on a, we have a new adventure in 2018 that we're looking forward to. So, yay, praise the Lord. <laughs> this is a story that moms don't want to hear. Um, but there's a happy ending. Um, lots of you know that we have been try having some struggles with our younger son, Nathan. Um, he was in a car accident two, two and a half years ago, and it has it has been very difficult for our family. Uh, he's had brain injury, and so we're going through this process of healing with him. Um, the other day, he came over to the house, and he sat down, and he says, I, I, I could have gotten shot today. And I'm going, we were like, what? And he said, well, he works at a, uh, part-time at a gun shop. And he was standing, and some guy walked in and just started walking towards him, took a gun right out of his pocket and was coming right at him. And immediately Nathan got his out, and he yelled at him, and he said, dude, what you doing? You know, like, that would be Nathan. Nate, and the guy was just, you know, Nathan could have shot him. He had every right to shot, shoot him as that guy was walking towards him with his gun. Any police officer would have been able to freely shoot him, and it would be okay. And Nathan chose not to. And um, he, he just said, okay, and kind of looked around, and I'd watch his eyes, and they were kind of going all over the place. He wasn't focusing his eyes on something, which gave him the idea that we're going to be able to work this out. And it turned out the guy was... You know, he yelled at him because he didn't know what a conceal and carry was, and he just whipped the gun out of his pocket. So he he had fun with him, you know, yelling at him. But that's just part of the story. The next day as I was driving, it was, God just brought this right to my mind. It's Karen. His mind is healing. Because if he, he had the sense in his brain to look at his eyes, and the sense to look look at him and know I'm going to be okay, and that he knew that he wasn't focusing on him, and I thought that used really to me it used a lot of sense and a lot of good brain power there, and I, I and for me that was uh, it's almost like a sign that his his brain is healing, and I'm I'm just I'm just really happy about that. And there was something else, to, you know, that I won't share, go into that. But And talking about that, I, I guess a lot of it, um, my gratefulness has been with our home group that, that as we have prayed, that they have prayed for him. And I just think that I look into next year with more hope, you know, as he graduates and this is going to be another step, you know, for him for job-wise and everything. But we're, I'm very I'm very grateful. I, I don't like where he works. Um, I'd like him to go someplace else. But he is in his element there. So, but anyway. Mm -hmm.
talking about how uh, God has used CCV over the past year or in my life. Um, about a year prior, I had the opportunity to uh, take a Dave Ramsey course that uh, Ryan and, and uh, Marla taught here at the church. And uh, it's been a, a real struggle over the past couple of years. Um, it took me 17 years to pay off my student loans. Um, it's taken me even longer to get better, you know, start budgeting and get better spending habits. Um, so for me, the, uh, you know, the, the watchword that God's been giving me over the past couple of years and leading up into, into uh, this year is stewardship. And not just the stewardship of the, the, the money he's given me and the resources, but also my time. And uh, I'm just as a praise report, I'm very pleased to, to, to say that um, you know, the, the, the course worked and I'm going into this, or this next year with no debt other than my mortgage. Morning. So uh, how many of you guys know where Tropical Smoothie is? Anybody? A few of you? So, so you've probably seen me there. We've been there recently. Um, I think it's really cool that God has been able to use me there because um, I was all over the place in Lansing looking for work and ended up down there. So just about five days ago, somewhere right before Christmas, I'm like in room six, this lady comes in to get a smoothie, and she, you could tell she's not doing that much okay. But she's getting a smoothie, and it's freezing, so, you know, whatever. <laughs> So right before she leaves, I just I was feeling inside me that to just ask her if she was okay. And uh, so I asked her, and she goes, no, not really. And so I could have left it there. And I was like, really, why? <laughs> Who's this guy at the smoothie shop in my business, right? So anyway, she starts telling me that she's going to visit her kid that's with her husband. And she was their, their relationship's not great, but she was buying him a smoothie even though he told her not to. Like she, He's like, oh, I don't like you. You know what? We're done. Just come do something with the kids and then leave. But she was being nice to him by getting a smoothie. So I looked at her and I said, can I pray for you? She said, what? <laughs> the smoothie guy wants to pray for me. <laughs> and so she was holding one hand on the door, and this was, she was like halfway in, halfway out. And all my employees were like, <laughs> right? And since I'm the boss, who cares what they think? So, so she stepped back inside, and she said, yeah, so one of my employees was standing next to me, and he closed his eyes. I was like, well, that's pretty cool. <laughs> so all these other people are in the building watching the manager pray for some lady. And she started crying during her prayer, this whole thing or whatever. And uh, when we were done, she looked at him and she goes, thank you very much. It means the world to me. And so right after she left, I was like, man, I was juiced. I was like, this is really great. You know what I mean? And uh, so that was amazing for me that God used me in that moment. And there's several times where he tells me to do something, and I'm always like, what are other people going to think? You know, like, should I do it? And a lot of times I don't. Shame on me. But that time I did. And I just encourage you, if God tells you to do something, go for it. Because uh, only his opinion matters, right? Hello, everybody. Uh, I thought I should share this story, too. I've shared it with some people. But, uh, you know, uh, we took that the perspectives class, several of us here, earlier in the spring, I think. And Pastor and I worked on a project together at the end. It was, the, and we felt like it was an outreach to the Chinese. It had to be some type of. Uh, we had four options, and one of them was the church outreach strategy. And ours was, uh, we chose uh, outreach uh, to Chinese people. We felt like that was what the direction the Lord was leading us, and so we wrote an exhaustive paper on it. I did the research on. He did the church side of it, and I did the research on the Chinese part of it. And so I did a lot of research on China. The Chinese culture and everything, and uh, so, but what it resulted in eventually was 
starting a, a Bible study for Chinese uh, people, and uh, all of them were visiting scholars, as it turned out. And so we, we've been doing that, and Dave's been helping out with that. And um, But one thing that occurred, uh, we're using the Derek Prince uh, ministry material that's uh, geared toward the Chinese culture. And uh, they have unique aspects of their culture different from ours, quite a bit different. And uh, um, it's excellent material. But uh, the one week we were uh, uh, talking about um, sickness and disease and sin and things like that and what the nature of it is and where it comes from and we, it's, it focuses entirely on scripture and over and over and over it was we were uh, talking about that and that week as we came we were doing it at Elsa's house she's one of the Chinese ladies in her she has two kids and um, that week it just happened that she was really sick and she was gracious enough to greet us at the door but then as soon as she did she went right to bed and uh, her daughter was sick too, but she wasn't as sick, and she didn't want to miss the uh, the Bible study. They really love it. They're just really eating it up. It's so rewarding to be able to share the gospel and the Bible with people that are really hungry for God, hungry for his word. Um, so as we were going over these scriptures, you could feel, you know, everybody's faith rising and uh, most of the scripture was on sickness and disease and where it came from and what the Bible says about it. And, uh, and I mean, over and over and over, it's like sickness, devil, you know, sickness, devil, sickness, devil. And then the last part of it, like maybe the last third of it, they just started talking about God's attitude toward it and what the Bible says about that and what Jesus' attitude was toward it. And uh, the following week, we talked more about that. There's a lot more on that. But... Um, so the last third of it, I think, or last quarter of it, it was what God's attitude toward it was and what Jesus did about it and what his attitude was. And as for reading these scriptures, it was impossible not to get inspired. I mean, you could feel the faith rising in that room. And uh, so the daughter asked us at the end if we could pray for her mom. And we were so pumped. <laughs> so... This is an excellent Bible study. It's a personal, uh, it's a self-study Bible course. So it allows the Chinese to discover God in a way on their own. And uh, so we got, she went and got her mom and we held hands and we prayed in a circle. And I mean, you could, the air was like electric. It was like electrified. And uh, so her daughter said that she was healed immediately. She was completely healed immediately. But I knew something had happened with Elsa, too. You could tell. I mean, but she is so reserved. She's, I mean, if you know Elsa, you know what I mean. She's extremely reserved and everything. So she wasn't saying much. So Dave and I just, you know, we, we, we finished praying, and we just worshiping God that her, her daughter was healed, and then we left. But her son texted me really early the next morning and said, my mom is completely healed. And I texted her back and said, I know, <laughs> because I knew it. And so we were super excited about that. And so she was completely healed, and her daughter was completely healed, and we studied healing again the following week. But one thing the Lord is showing me recently about that and other things is the, uh, the uh, lesson on uh, the Israelites when they went into the Promised Land. The first place they encountered was um, um, Jericho. And so they were 
walking around it seven days. And the Lord showed me through a book that I'm reading that the reason they were so successful is because they had learned to let God fight their battles for them. And so often, and that's what he did with the healing too, we really didn't do anything. We just believed his word. And then we prayed and he completely healed her. And so often the, the, the devil comes to us and the, the barbs he throws at us is to get us to respond, try to get us to re react in the flesh, to like defend ourselves or try to fight the battle ourselves. And so what he's showing me is that we don't have to react. We don't have to do that. But we can rest. And we were just praying this morning about abiding in that Sabbath rest. The Lord's been showing me lately that there's unlimited power in that Sabbath rest. And that Sabbath rest is right here now for each of us. And so we don't have to react when the enemy shoots those barbs at us. We can just rest in, in his, the Sabbath rest he has for us and allow him to fight the battle for us. And uh, she was talking about anxiety and things like that. And these are things that he throws at us. These are barbs that the enemy's throwing at us. And he's trying to get us out of the spirit and into the flesh where there's anxiety and there's fear and uh, or there's whatever, any number of carnal reactions. And so this is what he's been showing me most, most you know, the biggest thing he's been showing me this year. And uh, I'm just super excited because I think this is for all of us. And I think we're in 2018, we're going to, walk in, I think we're going to really start to walk in that limitless power, that unlimited power that's there in that place where the Sabbath rest is now. So, anyway, thank you. Hello. I'm Hello. visiting here today. Um, I'm uh, Devin's sister-in-law and Becca Fiddler's sister. Um, and I just, as I was listening to all these stories, I thought, you know, for the first time, I actually have a great story coming into the new year. And so, I stepped down from my position. I live in England. Um, and I, I stepped down from my position in the summer because I knew it was time for me to move on. I was working at a church there. And then I just spent a season of grappling with God, okay, what's next, what's next? These are things I want to grow and build in. And just felt him saying, you gotta, you just got to trust me. And, um, and really grappling with, but God, i got to look for work. And i gotta, you know, got to do all this stuff. And just like the gentleman previously was saying, God just had me in a season of learning to trust him. And, and someone actually gave me a prophetic word who didn't know me and didn't know anything about me and just said, you know, I see you. You're going down a river. You're going down a stream and you're in this boat and you're going in the right direction and you're on the right stream. But I just feel like God's saying you've got to put down the paddles. You've got to stop rowing or you're going to capsize. You're going to get wet. And um, you'll get there, but it won't be pleasant. And um, and so I just felt that, okay, I just need to let go. I need to trust God. And, um, and in the autumn, God started putting together January for me and he... Um, brought someone towards me who said, "Hey, I've got something for you." And and um, and over time, I that piece came together, and I ended up. And so in January, I'm stepping into a new position, and, and it was only a part-time position. And so once that solidified in November, I was like, "Okay, now I've got to get another part-time job." And I could just feel the stress rising and all that. You know, I'm going to make this happen. And once again, this feeling like you just got to wait, you just got to trust. And I was like, "No, God, like I have to be reasonable. I need to put in all this effort." And um, so I was chatting with my mom, and she said, you know, you just, you know, I, I think you're right. I think you just need to rest. I think stuff will come together in January. And I said, okay. And a couple of days later, someone else came towards me from the church that I'm going to be working at saying, hey, you know, I've got this possibility, and it would give me room and board um, with, for the extra hours that I need to make up. And I was like, wow, God, oh, my gosh, I didn't have to do anything. You've brought both these jobs to me. And then I was like, okay, 
trying to process, okay, I'm going to need a car in January because I'm not living in London any longer, so I'll need a vehicle, and, and you know, trying to sort that one through, like, how much is it going to cost me, what, you know, sort out all this stuff, and, um, and once again, I was like, okay, so we'll see how desperately I need it in January, maybe I can go another couple of months before I get one, and um, friends of mine, their daughter rings me up literally, like, a day later, and saying, so, would you like my old car? I've just bought a new one. And I was so blown away. I mean, I didn't have to do anything. And God just, you know, put all the pieces together for January. So I fly back today. And I'm just really excited about starting the new year with this incredible provision that God's given me. Hello. Um, so how has God been at work through Capital City Vineyard? Uh, yeah, it's been a good year. 2017, almost 18. Um, so it, it seems like, yeah, what's tempting for me in a lot of these stories, and I think it's really good to have uh, to tell stories about how God is providing for us. Like, I, I really like that story. Are you? I don't know if I ever spoke. There you are. Hi. Um, like, it's a really beautiful story, and I love I love those stories. But I, uh, for myself, it's in some ways been a very difficult year, and I think it's important for me and for us to be able to share those stories of lament or difficulty as well. And uh, I, I'm, I've been identified as a refiner through a test that my wife and I took with this <laughs> with this ministry a while back. We got some training. There are like all these different things you could be, and what that means. It's a polite way of saying that. I'm somebody who's really critical and likes to, or refiners. So Melanie, and my wife, will remind me of something like, "Well, you're just a refiner." It's like, yeah, I'm a jerk. <laughs> but uh, so I, I like to think really critically about things, and it's easy for me to become very critical and start to point out negative things that I see uh, in myself and other people and systems and the world and the church. So pretty much everything. And. Um, and there is a lot that's wrong, but uh, but there's a lot that's good as well. And um, some of the good from this past year has been uh, I was struggling a lot with questions about uh, the church, ecclesiology, it's the ology term there, um, and and what the church is. And at times I was like, you know, I, I don't know if we're if Melanie and I are placed right, all this stuff. But what I'm really grateful for is good friends within the church who are being patient with me, um, this guy, and, and others uh, who are just walking alongside me, being patient, and allowing me to voice my questions and my concerns. And, uh, and ultimately, I, I didn't want to be a consumer of church. It's easy in our day and age to just kind of there's a, it's easy to get into a, maybe an unhealthy pattern of church hopping and, you know, kind of wanting to go and, you know, get enamored with one church and think that everything's rosy and good um, and then go somewhere else. And I think that, that ultimately that's a really unhealthy tendency and I don't want to do that. And um, I think that we have to beware of that kind of tendency and instead um, trust in God uh, and put our roots down somewhere that isn't perfect because uh, Kent, I think you told me once not to go to the perfect church if I find it because I'll ruin it, um, <laughs> which I would. And uh, you know, it's a good classic line. But uh, but yeah, I, so I guess I just wanted to come up here and encourage you all uh, through some of my own processing this past year because ultimately uh, I decided that we should remain at Capital City Vineyard because we are at Capital City Vineyard. 
which is brilliant circular reasoning. Um, <laughs> so we were Romania, the capital city of Vineyard, because we are a capital city of Vineyard. That's just the way things are. So it's it's good, and we are happy to be here. And uh, we love you guys. And uh, yeah, we like this community. So. so I had no intention of coming up here. And after what you just said, um, I thought it was such a good reminder. Because like you said, we obviously always want to share the praises of everything awesome that God is doing in our life, and I think that we should. And then also those moments of, oh, what are we supposed to be doing? And just yesterday I was sitting on the couch. My awesome husband had the fireplace going when I woke up, which means I didn't get much done yesterday. <laughs> you sit down when the fireplace is going. And um, I was listening to um, a pastor online, and he was telling the story about David and how um, when David was brought in after all of his other brothers were shown that they were not chosen by God and how David was anointed, and then after he was anointed, he was just sent back out to be a shepherd. Just because he was anointed and called by God didn't mean that his position or his work changed. He just still went back out to be a shepherd again. Now he just had this anointing of God on him. And the, the theme of the message was that even when you're anointed by God, even when you hear from the Lord, it doesn't mean your assignment's going to change. It doesn't mean you go somewhere else to do something greater. You just may need to stay where you are and do that with God's anointing. More anointed in the position that you're already in. And I just really appreciated that message a lot. And then also, um, another thing on what you said, so thanks for getting up here, Matthew. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, but things aren't perfect. So my family from New York just spent, you know, close to a week at my house. And my house is really small, and there were 11 of us. And so there's those moments where you're like, it's okay. It's okay, it's okay, and um, for whatever reason, my dad is my dad, and my son, as he's getting older, and I'll share this only because Jacob's not here, uh, I could just tell that Jacob rubs my dad the wrong way, and my dad being a very broken person doesn't think about what he says, and there's this moment where Jacob is just kind of, rip, 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 and I'm, I'm dealing with it. I'm standing in front of him. I'm, Jacob, think about what you're saying. Is that an appropriate way to handle this? No, it's not. So I'm parenting him, but by trying to help him. And my dad just starts talking to my mom. Oh, are you listening to him? He sounds just like Podmore. Always has to think he's right. And I'm standing there going, my 70-year-old father is talking down his grandson right in front of him. And it's like everything in me is like, keep breathing, keep doing the right thing, ignore him, just walk in truth. And so I walked Jacob into his bedroom and I said, focus on all the good grandpa brings. Don't focus on this moment. Grandpa's broken. That's who he is. You're not going to change him. He's here. He just trying to regroup my son, you know, trying to help him to learn to walk in that moment of hurt and difficulty that my dad just imposed upon him because my dad's a broken 70-year-old um, and help this 15-year-old not to just 
have to work through so many feelings. I'm like, does grandpa do a lot of good stuff for you? Yes, he does. Does grandpa love you? Yes, he does. Is grandpa broken? And are you probably more mature than he is? Yes, you are. So let's look at all the facts. And that's really it, right? I mean, like you said, it's not perfect. None of it's perfect. Never has been, never will be. That's kind of the point of the whole story, right? Of the crucifixion. And just, but to see, there's, there's joy in, in the difficult situations. There's beauty in the brokenness. There's opportunity for growth. There's opportunity to choose to see what's right instead of that moment of what's wrong. And so that's what I wanted to share. I'm going to share something. Um, I keep looking up and reading this. It was a highlight of God's work in the life of the last year. For me, it's, it's probably something that's been building for many years. I remember... Um, Ryan remembers this place, but I used to live in a house we just called the guy's house. So it was it was nasty. It was just a bunch of dudes living, single dudes living in this house. But but I tell you what, God uh, just used that place in in many ways and for ministry. And it was the first house I lived in um, when I when I became a believer. I got involved there and got involved in ministry and um, and in. And although I was growing a lot in the Lord, I remember a time when my roommate, Nathaniel Smith, um, he was, and I just, at the time, I just said, I don't need people. I mean, I was flat. I was just like, I don't really need anybody. I don't need people close to me. I could survive. I could eat ramen noodles. I could, uh, I don't need a, a wife. I don't need, uh, I just don't need anyone. And, um, when I'm here standing here today, looking back at what a total and complete lie that was that I believed at that point in my life. I really did believe it. I mean, I really did that I didn't need people in my life. That's true. But I was completely and totally wrong. Um, and I remember people trying to speak into my life. I remember my friend... Cheryl McCormick, you need a help me, you know, because she knew I was like, hmm. just, but I was just, anyway, but fast forwarding to this last year, um, one of the things that I discovered is that a need that I have, well, one of the things was God brought me Vicky in my life and realized that I did have a need, a desperate need for uh, someone to help me, but more in, 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 on top of that, he said that you know you still need you need brothers in your life. You need you need men of God who can speak into your life. Now, as a man, you kind of, you know I don't maybe not all men, but for me, it's you kind of want to be independent. You don't want to have to rely on people. You want to get her done. You know whatever you know phrase you want to use. Like just you know do do your thing. You don't you know. And it, and then really, it's not natural for me as a nature. I think a lot of people see me because I'm up on you know stage or whatever, or I'm outgoing. That oh, you're an extrovert. the The true reality is, is I'm. I like being alone. I love it. I um. I like you know going fishing by myself, being out in the woods by myself. But that part of me is um, not what God really 
it's not the best. It's not the best of me. And what God has revealed to me personally is you need people in that little place that you think, you know, where you're alone. Um, and so I'm really just thankful so much that God has begun to orchestrate and bring brothers, uh, you know, like Ryan. Ryan's been holding up the men's ministry for years, and you know, and saying, you should come, you should come. I don't need that. You know, I don't need people in my life. But, but the reality is I do. And so I'm sharing this because it's sometimes it's humbling, and sometimes you need to take that step to invite people into your inner sanctum of your, of your world. And it takes a lot of vulnerability, a lot of vulnerability, because it's not, it doesn't feel safe when you share those inner cave pieces that you've been living into, and you got your little blanket, you know, whatever. So when you finally share that with somebody, maybe I'm speaking for myself, but um, when you start sharing that with people and they don't, you know, condemn you or they don't, uh, instead they embrace you with love, and mercy, and you begin to grow in unique and totally ways. When I think about this last year, that has been such a huge blessing in my life to have people like that who I'm walking through in this journey. So you know who you are. So uh, just wanted to bring that up, and that's, that's been the highlight of my year over this last year. So thanks. So um, sometimes I require nudges. So I had a nudge on this, and I forgot a highlight of my year. But um, a highlight for me was I got healed. Um, uh, those of you who know me know that for fun I play soccer. And about a year and a half ago, I got turf toe, which really hurts and makes playing soccer hard. So figured out a way to play anyway, but it wasn't fun. And... Um, so, you know, I had people pray for me, and I had my home group pray for me, and nothing happened really. It will get a little better, but it still hurt. Um, and so in November, the Mitchells did a spiritual gifts training. And so I was like, oh, this will be cool. I'll go to that. So I went to the spiritual gifts training, and um, my gift isn't healing. But um, we talked about all the gifts, and at the end of the training, we talked about, um, you know, like practicing, how we would practice gifts, and um, several people had felt like um, healing was just kind of like something that was being spoken to them. So um, we said, well, if anybody wants healing, let's just practice on each other. So, you know, like my turf toe wasn't even on my mind, and a couple of people came up with things, and we prayed for them. Um, and then, you know, like everybody kept saying, so does anybody else have something? And I was like, uh, well, if you guys want, you can play, pray for my turf toe, you know, no big deal. And so they did, and it was better. And that was uh, Saturday, and so I like I felt like it was better, but it was still a little stiff, and I was like, huh, am I healed? Am I not healed? I think I'm going to believe I'm healed, but I've done that before. Um, so anyway, the next Tuesday, I had a soccer game, and um, I was able to play on the right side, which I hadn't played on for a year and a half, and I was able to kick the ball as hard as I could, and um, my toe is better. It hasn't hurt since, so... I feel like I gotta introduce myself. I'm Dave McClucky because uh, my wife and I we really enjoy serving the church, but we enjoy serving the church at the back end. So <clears throat> as a result, a lot of people it feels like a lot of people don't even know us. So it's probably our fault as much as anything else. But anyway, 2017. Um, <sighs> felt for Dave this morning because I lost my dad this year. And it would start out the year, it was uh, really going 
losing his mental, he, he had he had Parkinson's that manifested dementia, and he went downhill really fast from Christmas to we had had to put him in an assisted living center in uh, just before Easter. He didn't do well there at all, and he uh, he just declined rapidly, and we lost him later that spring. So, but oh. Oh, sorry, this is, um, my wife knows, after 21 years, probably learned, I don't know exactly when she figured it out, but I'm not really good at cheering on my balloons, and uh, so this was really our perfect kind of, I was really, one of the concerns I was worried about is how was my church going to react, and the church was perfect, it reacted just as I knew them, I knew you were there, we were, we were in Pastor Kevin's home group at the time, I was able to share what I wanted to share, nothing was ever drawn out or pulled out, it was just there to listen to Exactly what we needed. So, so then, uh, um, we, sorry, when he did pass, we knew you were there, but it wasn't in your face. It was just everybody was there. That we, we knew we needed the comfort was there if we needed it, and uh, it just couldn't have been better. So, Michelle Kent and I moved from Holland about seven years ago, and the church we were there was a great church. But they were very much, they were there, there. They were there in your face there or something. And that's what that's not what I needed. So then later this year, I mean, just uh, three weeks ago this past Saturday, my oldest daughter died. And uh, great celebration, small. And um, love my daughter dearly. She could They could have done a little better. Let's just leave it at that. But, uh, but again, but again, it was never... People knew the situation, very com- you know, com- comforting with us, no, never judgmental or everything. And uh, uh, my new son-in-law, really interesting guy, just real strict. Because I'm getting, we were with him yesterday, the more I talked to this kid, the more proud I am of him. So, but uh, he was, uh, he was actually Russian, born in Moscow, moved here when he was two years old. Their family is Jewish, but they never practiced their Jewish faith. So, uh, remember, his parents are my age, so... You know, in the 60s and 70s, think of the Soviet Union at the time, very, you know, very agnostic, nothing. So, and that's the way, so, and that's kind of way that was the environment he was growing up. But uh, just a really interesting, I call him a kid, he's a man. Um, he's, uh, you know, just talking with him over the years, found out later he was baptized in the Orthodox Church. I'm like, who is this kid? You know, what, what was, and you got to know his parents. But anyway, so, I, I just want a real long way to say short. This church has really been a, a blessing to us. Um, support was there at the level we needed when we needed it. And uh, um, just want to say thank you.